0: This morning, I want to continue in our series on the Holy Spirit. We're trying to answer the question, who is the Holy Spirit? And we began a rather lengthy part of the series that has some cohesiveness because what we're going to look at is the things that a Christian will manifest in their life if they're truly filled with or controlled by the Holy Spirit. And that list of things is what is called in the scriptures, the fruit of the Spirit. So we're going to take each of those a piece at a time, a part at a time. And as we get into this, I want you to consider the fruit of the Spirit, not as different pieces of fruit or separate pieces of fruit, but one piece of fruit that has many parts, The fruit of the Spirit is singular in the Bible. It's not a plurality, which means that all of these characteristics belong to the same part. They're all fruit of the Spirit. It's like if you took that apple, you have one of those apple cutters and cores probably at home, and you press it down on the apple and it falls out in all those pieces. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is. It's one piece that has many parts and none of them are negotiable. All of them are supposed to be a part of us as we are controlled by and filled with the Spirit. Now, today, we're going to look at this aspect that those who are controlled by the Spirit will manifest joy. Last week, we talked about love. Today, our theme is joy. There is no virtue in the Christian life which is not made radiant with joy. There is no circumstance and no occasion which is not illuminated with joy. A joyless, a joyless life, say that five times fast, is not a Christian life, for one is constant, for joy is one constant recipe for Christian living. If Christ came that we might have joy, a life to the full, if the Spirit is at work in us to produce joy, then it is a contradiction of God's purpose for us When we are not joyful, no sorrow, no disappointment, however severe could ever interrupt, let alone extinguish the joy of our salvation with its vision of unclouded glory to come. For this joy was founded upon the sovereign supremacy of God who overrules all things and causes them to work together for good to those who he has called. Simply put, biblical joy is choosing to respond to external circumstances with inner contentment and satisfaction because we know that God will use these experiences to accomplish his work in and through our lives. So joy is something that is a product or a fruit of the Spirit And indeed, it is critical and it enhances every aspect and facet of the Christian life. And so I want you to consider this morning as you came into the worship center, as you have gathered here for our gathering together, do you have joy? Are you joyful? And maybe one of the things that you could use to measure that this morning is is through your worship. Did you worship in a joyful way? Did you relate to others as you came into the gathering in a joyful way? Did the joy of Jesus radiate as you have come together today and you have sent the message to those who are around you that you have that joy? It's critical and important that we do this because I believe it directly affects and has an impact on our life together as an assembly. And you can have a powerfully positive impact by being joyful, or you can have just as powerful as a negative impact by suppressing and hindering that joy because you have suppressed and hindered the spirit and his control and filling in your Christian experience. I wanna to talk to you about a few things as we try to develop the theme of joy today. And the first one that I wanna to talk to you about is the source of joy, You have a lot of white space on your handout today, and we're just going to ask that you would just jot things down as they're meaningful, and as they speak to your heart, and things that you want to remember as you go away uh, from this gathering today. But the source of joy, where does it come from? Well, obviously, as we've already pointed out to you in our series, it certainly does come from the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, and the second one is joy. So it makes the list of the fruit of the Spirit so we know that it's generated by the Holy Spirit, and as we submit to the Spirit's control and we are filled with the Spirit, joy is going to radiate as a result of His control. We would also say that joy would come through faith, that joy is going to come through faith. Like Romans chapter 15 tells us that we would have the God of hope, that he would fill us with all joy and peace through what? Through believing. So believing kind of has a couple of different compartments or faith has a couple of different compartments in the Christian experience. The first one is, and it is indispensable and the most important compartment as it involves faith, and that is what we would call saving faith, where we understand and we come to a realization that we have a sin problem as a human being that we can do absolutely nothing about, absolutely nothing about. But it doesn't stop there, right? It doesn't stop there. We also become acquainted with what is called the gospel, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that Jesus suffered through the wrath of God on the cross that was meant for us. He took our place. He was, as we would say in the theology world, that he was our vicarious atonement. We should have been there, but he went there instead. And he suffered through, and as he suffered through and gave his life and shed his blood, he completely satisfied, or I love the word, exhausted God's wrath against our sin. He died on the cross. He literally, completely, once and for all, exhausted God's wrath against our sin. As he made that payment for our sin, he paved the way with power through his resurrection so that as we believe in him by grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone, we can be free from our sin and enjoy a relationship with the Father. That is saving faith. That's where it all begins. I want you to think about today as we talk about joy, you really can't have joy In the sense of joy that is generated by the holy spirit living in you and controlling you unless you know jesus unless you have believed the gospel and believed on jesus to save you from your sins you can't even hope to have the joy that we're talking about today there's good news though it's not an exclusive club you can have it today if you believe in Jesus. If you put your faith and trust in him to save you from your sins, you can have this joy. Because at that moment, the scripture teaches, as we've already seen in our study, that he takes up residence in us. The Holy Spirit dwells in us and can control us as we submit after and at the moment we put our faith in Jesus do you have that faith? That's where real joy starts. Do you have that faith? Have you exercised that faith? If you haven't, as I've said to you many times before, you're in a great place because you have plenty of people here today who want to talk to you about that. If you look over to your far right, you have to bring your gaze back here in a couple seconds, but you look over there, that's our welcome area. I'm gonna be over there after the gathering. If you wanna know more about Jesus, stop there before you leave our campus today. We would love to talk to you about it, especially if you have questions, maybe you're skeptical, maybe you have doubts. We take them all. We love to have that dialogue with you. Please talk about Jesus with us before you leave. I said there were two compartments of faith in the Christian experience. The first one gets it all started. The next one is how we get through to the end, being faithful. And we simply just say that this is what we would call living by faith, that we believe God for our salvation, but we also trust God with our life. And if we rest in his sovereignty, as we say, and we learn how to trust him, we can have this joy and peace through believing that will continue through the rest of our life because we're just living in this reality of trusting God with everything that happens in our life. Are we resting there today or has something pushed us out of that place? where we're failing or really fledgling to to trust God with what's happening because what's happening is overwhelming. Maybe that's where you are today. And you came in here and you're going, I don't have joy because of this garbage that's happening in my life right now. I need to get back to the point where I have joy and peace in my life through believing. I just need to start trusting God again because something pushed me out of that place and I'm not resting anymore. In fact, I'm frantic and I'm anxious Trust him. He hasn't failed you. He will never fail you. And in fact, we could say it emphatically because of his character and nature, he can't fail you. Failure is outside of the capacity of God. He will never do anything that will warrant you to stop trusting him. He will never do anything that will jeopardize Trust that you're to have for Him. He is trustworthy because of who He is, and He can't be anything else because He is God. The source of joy comes through faith. It also comes, next of all, through seeing and knowing Jesus as our all sufficient Lord. We get everything from Him that we need. He truly is all sufficient. Some of this is going to be review for some of you because you've heard me say this, but if I die and there's one thing that you remember from my teaching you, I want you to remember these thoughts from Philippians. I don't want you to ever forget them. I want you to grab a hold of them and make them a part of the fabric of your journey and refuse to ever let go because this impacts all of your Christian life, every bit of it. To remind you, Paul was... course, detained in Rome in prison, and he wrote the letter of Philippians. As you know and are well aware, some 13 times he talks about the theme of joy or rejoicing in Philippians. If there was ever anyone who had circumstances in their life that had an excuse not to have joy, at this moment, it would have been the Apostle Paul. Life really stunk for Paul at this time. But he looked beyond the garbage of life, the difficulties of life, the challenges of life, and he wrote to a church who needed to hear about joy, and he was able to have the capacity to do that because he had decided to rest in the sovereignty of God, even if it meant him landing in the most difficult, challenging, awful circumstances that you could imagine by being detained. Total loss of freedom. Paul writes about joy. How in the world does Paul do that? He gives us the answer to that, I think, through four of the most powerful verses in all of Scripture. Some of you are remembering what I'm about to say. Don't let the familiarity breed contempt. Immerse your heart and your mind once again in these thoughts about Jesus This makes or breaks a believer's life. This determines our outlook in life. This will determine a lot of other stuff about how we live, how we think, and how we process and respond to life. And I believe it determines whether or not we can have joy in life, regardless of what's going on. As John Piper would say, it's seeing and savoring Jesus. He's all sufficient. In chapter 1 and verse 21, what does Paul say in Philippians? For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. He reveals here the all-sufficient Jesus by pointing our, our attention to the fact that Jesus should be our purpose for living. He's our purpose. You see, Paul had decided that his freedom was not his purpose for living. Paul had decided that 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 an absence of hardship in his life was not his purpose for living. Paul wasn't looking to escape. Paul was not looking to escape from prison in order to be happy. He wasn't looking to, to somehow get away from this oppression in order to be happy or to have, to have a, an absence of, of tension and strife in his life. No, he, he had decided that wherever God put him, it was going to be okay because his purpose for living was Jesus. For to me to live is Christ, not my freedom, not absence of oppression or difficulty or trial. No, that's not going to define whether or not I have joy. Paul is saying to us, all I need is Jesus to have joy. And he truly is the purpose of my life. And he reveals to us another truth here, that if this is the way I conduct my life, by resting in the all-sufficient Jesus, then dying truly is gain. Because I will stand before him one day. And I will enjoy his presence. And I, I truly will not suffer loss at the judgment seat of Christ if this is my motive. There's another thing here, chapter 2 and verse 5. You know this verse too. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Paul points our attention to Jesus and his all-sufficiency by reminding us here that Jesus is to be the pattern for the way that we live in all circumstances. And if that's the case, we can have joy no matter what's happening. I can, I can be with Paul in prison and have joy because Jesus is my pattern, and Jesus certainly would have had joy in the difficulty. I can look at the life and ministry of Jesus and see how he endured suffering and make that my pattern. I can also go in the passage in Philippians 2 and see how Jesus is my pattern by the way that he, he submitted to his father, by the way that he served others, and by the way that he had the proper, humble perspective of a servant of himself. That is truly the pattern that he lays out. And if we adopt that, great joy results as we see and savor and follow Jesus. Chapter three, verse 14 of Philippians. What else does Paul say? I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There again, the all-sufficient Christ, our attention, our gaze is drawn to him because truly Jesus or Christ-likeness is the prize of all believers. As they live here, partially, but when they get to heaven, that upward call that this verse talks about, the moment we transfer from this life to the next and we're in the presence of God, we will experience perfect Christ-likeness for the first time ever. And that will be the best prize that we've ever won. And Paul says, that's what I'm looking toward. I'm living this life for the next life, and I'm trusting Jesus no matter what happens, no matter what circumstance I find myself in, because I'm not trying to win a prize here. I want to win Jesus, perfect Christ-likeness there and then. And I'm trusting God to take me there regardless of what's happening. Chapter 4 and verse 13, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Here he identifies Jesus, the all-sufficient Jesus, as our power. And this is not saying that the believer can do anything and everything that he commands in his prayers or anything and everything that he sets his mind to, that Jesus is just going to be his co-pilot and help him get to where he's going. No. Paul talks about some very specific things in this passage, some difficulties and challenges, and also times that didn't have so much difficulty And basically what he's saying to us is that God gives me the strength through Christ to get through anything that God leads me through because Jesus is my power and my strength. So I think that's really where true joy comes from. And I really believe that we have to focus on our all-sufficient Jesus. There are two other things I wanna share with you about the source of joy too We've seen the Holy Spirit's involved, our faith is involved, resting in Jesus as being all-sufficient is involved, but there's also a joy that comes from cooperative ministry with other believers. 2 Corinthians one twenty four, the Apostle Paul says, we work with you for your joy, we labor with you obviously for the advancement of the gospel, but for your own encouragement and your own joy. There's a ministry that we can have through cooperative work for God, advancing the gospel and making disciples that brings joy to us. And finally, joy can come from focusing on the sanctifying effects of suffering like what Romans 5 talks about in verses 3 and 4. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. How can I have joy in suffering if I have the right attitude and perspective of suffering, knowing that all of it is to grow me so that I can bring glory to God. I focus on that sanctifying, refining effect that suffering has for me, and that's where the joy comes from. The most difficult thing can be happening, but we can still rejoice because it is a sign and a manifestation of the love that God has for us in the fact that he wants us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus, and he wants us to glorify him more and we get that opportunity by being faithful through suffering and having joy in doing so we rejoice in our sufferings focusing on the refining effects of suffering that is the source of joy there's a second thing i want to talk to you about today and i've called it the strength of joy joy has a power that we need to understand and experience and know it is such a powerful thing. And, and the opposite thing of joy, a critical spirit, murmuring, complaining, negativity, whatever you want to call an opposite of joy that can manifest itself in the body, it has a powerful effect as well. But the strength of joy and the power of joy, we see it personally, on a personal level, even something as practical as, as biology and how we are made Interesting reading some articles that doctors have kind of written on this topic about, about smiling and being joyful and what happens in our bodies. But just mentally, when we're involved in joyful activity that causes us to smile and radiate joy, our brain receives a signal to, to release dopamine and serotonin, which are heavily associated with happiness. In fact, studies show that people with clinical depression often have lower levels of of serotonin. We're not getting deep into the medical field. There are those of you who could speak more intelligently to this than I can this morning, but it's interesting to me that joy has a, a mental effect on us as believers, and it's powerful. As a result of this, it can also affect our circulatory system, because it will respond in a particular way to emotions as a result of signals from our brain, which are healthy for us. Even our nervous system is said to be affected by this. One doctor wrote that smiling can elevate your mood and lower your heart rate and reduce stress levels if you just experience joy in your life. Interesting, the biological power of joy. Well, obviously, we're in church, so we're going to talk about the spiritual side of this too. This isn't a a medical seminar, but the spiritual aspect corporately, I just want to talk about our corporate life together. As we come together, how can we experience the strength of joy? Well, we have to protect ourselves when we come together in a group. We have to be careful with those who refuse joy in their life. Who are constantly negative and critical and murmuring and complaining, who who just refuse to experience and live out the joy of Jesus in their life, why do we have to be careful and not allow that to corrupt us? Well, 1 Corinthians 15 reminds us of that. It has a simple statement there within a context, but it says, bad company ruins good morals. Who you invest time with... And their attitude matters. You know as well as I do, it's happened to me, right? You're in a great mood. And, and I know joy isn't totally about mood, but things are great, right? You're, you have joy. You're, you're totally uh, excited. You're, you're, you're joyous. Everything's going along fine. And then somebody calls. And all they want to do is complain to you. All they want to do is talk about whatever that's negative. Could be anything. Could be something about the church something about their family, anything. There's no joy in their conversation. There's no happiness. There's, there's nothing about the joy of Jesus. They're focused on all the bad stuff instead of remembering that God has a purpose. And how do you feel after a phone call like that? Usually not very good, right? It affects you. If you have negative influences in your life who refuse the joy of Jesus and want to focus on the negative side of all the things that are happening rather than trusting God and resting in Him, it can have a powerful impact on you. And over time, you can find yourself being just like that. Be careful. Be careful. You know, these people who, who lack joy often become angry maybe that's the opposite of joy for them and as we relate to them and as they are in our lives let's not forget proverbs 15 a soft answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger i've found often in ministry that those who lack joy are often the ones who speak the harsh words that stir up anger in others they're not joyful they're not resting in their joyfulness And it's like throwing gas on a fire. They're just quick to speak the harsh word. That's a power that we need to make sure that we don't allow to affect us in a negative way. And we put out that fire by answering softly to them and not allowing their negativity to affect us. Otherwise, we're going to lose our joy as well and we'll be speaking just like them. Ephesians 4.29 reminds us of this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Nothing that corrupts. So you, you've seen the corrupting effect of a lack of joy. I can completely destroy any unity in a group if I don't have joy. I can be harsh and full of anger. I can I can speak things negatively, and it will corrupt those around me. But if we will guard our hearts, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Let us speak joyfully. Let us speak and let it bring life to people rather than death and destruction and discouragement. Joy is powerful. There is great strength in it, but there's also a negative impact that can be experienced if it escapes us and we give into things a lifestyle that is not joyful. As we come to the close of our study, there's one more compartment I want to talk to you about, and that is the signs of joy, the things that are connected to joy. We could even call these things the things that bring about joy. I think it kind of works both ways as, as we do this. What do we need? What are the things that we need to look for in our own lives so that we can see if we have joy, we can, we can cultivate joy in our own hearts and lives? What do we need? Well, the first thing I want to speak to you about is understanding and obeying God's Word understanding and obeying God's word. Psalm chapter 19 and verse eight says, the precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. If I have joy in my life, it's gotta be because I have a good relationship with the scriptures and they are making my heart glad. Psalm one nineteen one eleven says, I have your decrees as a heritage forever." the very words of God. Indeed, they are the joy of my heart. Truly powerful, the signs of joy, understanding, obeying God's word. Secondly, exuberant worship is a part of this as well, a joyful worship. Like what Psalm 100 talks about, beginning in verse 1. Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to God. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his, his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name for the Lord is good and his faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. If you have the joy of God in your life, the joy of the spirit, exuberant worship is the most natural thing that you can do if that isn't a part of your life, you need to do a joy check in your life today and and get whatever it is that's not right, get it right with God and joyfully worship him. You're also going to find that trust and trials is connected to this too. And if we don't have that, it could be that we don't have this joy that God wants us to have. Look at James 1, verse 2. Consider it a great joy. This was read for us earlier. My brothers and sisters, whatever you experience various trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Trust in trials. If you have that capacity... Truly, you will have the joy of the Lord. And then there's a gathering with gladness that we see in Acts chapter 2 in the early church that is a sign that people had joy. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts came together and experienced the joy together. They had a positive impact on one another, not a negative. Let me close with these thoughts this morning. God is particularly interested in our joy. He tells us, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart, in Psalm 32, 11. When the church gathers, the sense of confident joy in God should be pronounced When we fail to demonstrate delight and satisfaction in God, we are not only dishonoring God, but we are disobeying him. More than anyone else on earth, Christians have a reason to celebrate. And Christianity is a divine project of replacing inferior joys in inferior objects with superior joys in God himself. If you find yourself struggling with joy today, you came in here and you're going, I don't have joy right now. Something has robbed me of that joy. Figuring out what that is is critical. But then also following through and cultivating this this satisfaction in Jesus is critical. If you came in here and you said, you know, I don't have joy today. I want you to purpose from today, moving forward for as long as it takes to do a self-study through the book of Philippians. Just dig in there. It has the cure. It will point you to Jesus. It will help you cultivate joy in your life like nothing else. Satisfaction in and through Jesus and learning to rest there will certainly bring you joy. Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes for a few moments? I want you to think about what's going on in your heart, and in your mind right now. I want to go back to earlier in our time together when I talked about the two, the two aspects of faith and believing. The first one is, is truly putting faith and trust in Jesus for salvation from sin. I want everybody to think about whether or not that has happened in their life. Have you exercised that faith in Jesus to save you from your sins? Have you been saved from your sins? It's okay to not understand that fully or to have it all figured out, but if your answer is no, we want to have an opportunity to speak with you today. Don't leave here without stopping and talking to us today. And believers, what about you? Are you trusting God today? Do you have joy because of your trust? Are you lacking it because something has pushed you out of that place in your life? You're anxious, maybe angry, or maybe some other negative emotion that has robbed your joy and it comes back to not trusting God with what's going on. If you would say as a believer this morning, pastor, just remember me in your closing prayer. I'm not going to call your name, but I would just like to remember you. God spoke to me about joy this morning. Pray for me this morning. Just let me know that by raising your hand quickly. Anybody like that? All right, we've got hands all across the worship center. Anybody else? Just wait a moment if you want to be included. Thank you. God, we bring all of these before you who, uh, to whom you've spoken about joy. We don't know what's happening, what's going on, or why. But God, I ask that you would reveal to them very powerfully and clearly what's needed in their life. Help them to apply your all-sufficiency to their life may they be truly satisfied in you and god help them to know what they need to do to get there if they need help i pray that you would encourage their hearts to seek that out that their needs would be met and that you would be glorified in these things father for those who need to trust in jesus to save them i just ask that you would draw them today may they put their faith in you And know what it is to be free from the penalty of their sin. We thank you for our time together. In Jesus' name, Amen. Would you stand with us?